Hey, listeners, if you are thinking about divorce and concerned about your children, please go to my online parenting plan course. It will help you plan how you're going to parent through divorce and beyond. And I promise you, it will keep conflicts from erupting in the future while keeping you centered on your children. Check it out at lisakoski.com. Welcome to Doing Divorce Different. Join family law attorney turned mediator, Lisa Kosky, for candid conversations on how to alleviate the fear of divorce and how to heal through empowerment. Now your host, Lisa Kosky. Hello listeners, I am so thrilled that you're here today because we have a favorite, Dr. Duena Welch, the love doctor, the gal who studies the science behind finding a good match is back with us. And Duena, our listeners love your advice. And we're going to talk about dating and dating after divorce. So, but you know, I always do like to start with your story. And for people who didn't listen to the other, did you do two or three other episodes with me? Yes. so for those who didn't listen and don't know you can you fill people in in what led you down this path to being the doctor of love and relationship and helping people moving forward after their divorce sure well you know most people get interested in something that impacts them personally Mm -hmm. so that's how I got interested in it and I just realized that I wanted to do things differently. I wanted to have more success in this very important realm of love. Not sure if you realize this, but who we love, how successful that relationship is, has more impact on our health, our wealth, our longevity, our career success, our life satisfaction, and even our sex life than any other choice we will make. So it's a, it's a big, important choice. It affects everything except how good looking you are. That's the only thing that won't change. <laughs> uh, that's so good to know because part of this podcast is really helping people down the journey to well-being. And, you know, I try to incorporate all kinds of things. So I really love that you said that. And so, you know, for that person who maybe is trying to find the courage to go out and find love again. Do you have some advice, some steps that they can take after a divorce? Absolutely. And as you know, I just applied this to my own life. Yeah. I have a brand new, fully revised and updated edition of Love Factually. need to get because I have the old one. Yeah. Don't get the one with glasses. Get the one with the looking glass on it and the heart in the middle of the glass. Yeah. Because you'll see at the bottom, it says revised and updated edition. The thing is the old edition is seven and a half years old now. Mm -hmm. And science didn't stop just because I wrote a book. It just went right on. (laughs) There's a lot of stuff in the new edition that wasn't in the old edition. So yes, indeed, I have a step-by-step plan. I followed it. And I don't know if you know this yet, Lisa, I'm getting married October 1st. Yay, I didn't know that. That is so exciting. So this is why it's so fun 
to make friends. The one blessing of COVID, right? We get to make friends with people. And now I get to hear that amazing news. So, okay. Do you mind sharing some of the steps? You can leave some of them for people to find in the book. <laughs> well, I, you know, I could tell you all 10 and people would still, the, the book, the book details, yes. you know, everything's in the details. But somebody said the other day, well, that was awfully fast and indicated that Carrie, my fiance, was waiting in the wings when I got my divorce. And what I said to him was, not that I needed to justify myself, but I did. I said, you know, I had been separated and divorced for about a year and a half by the time that I went online. Okay. And I met Carrie seven days into my search. Wow. Like you're really good at the searching and knowing what you want. And so, I mean, I guess that. Probably yep. your advice is to like have the courage to look for someone. Yeah. If you're dating after divorce, you know, you're probably in your thirties, forties, fifties, and it's not a very esteem building time of life. Right. Trust me. I know Yeah, it's, especially if you've been divorced more than once, mm -hmm. it's, it's really, you, you just kind of have this feeling like, what's the point? I'm not good at this. I'm not going to succeed. And so many people feel like that, that I'd like to give you an alternative perspective, which is you're not competing against everyone in the world. You're only competing against the people who are single and engaged in the search. And that's not most people. Most people give up. Right. So for example, the odds of a woman getting remarried if she wants to after the age of 50 are 15 and 100. It's not good odds, right? Wow. 15%. And that gets worse every year. However, I'm going to be 54 soon. And I did it and you can too. And one of the ways that I did it was by understanding that because I not only knew what works, I wasn't guessing at what works. I absolutely know because I know the science, which right. tells us what works for most people most of the time. So I knew what worked. And I also knew that the people I'd been thinking of as potential competition, they're not competition because they're not trying. They either right. don't have the information or they're keeping themselves, really, they're keeping themselves out of the, the mating market. So the number one thing I would say is put yourself in because Mr. and Ms. Right is not going to happen to you. That's a fairy tale. It's very unlikely. Statistically, it's very unlikely. And as people get older, they tend to give up more. It's not that people aren't marriageable. As you know, in your profession, gray divorce is the fastest growing segment of divorce. Yes. Yeah. Divorce yep. over the age of 50. And you know, a whole lot of those folks could repartner if they wanted to, if they wanted to badly enough to take action. And that's a lot of people say to me, well, I would take action if the right person just happened along. But the right person isn't going to happen along. You're going to have right. to make effort and it's going to have to be a special kind of effort. So the number one shift is just a, an attitude shift of realizing that love is not for the lucky and the few. It's for all the people who know what they're doing and have the courage to do it until they find the right partner. And people tell me how lucky I was to meet Carrie. And I got to say, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> I was very lucky to meet him. And it wasn't just luck. Chance favors the prepared. Fortune favors the prepared and the bold. And so I'm what just, I'd like to do in this session is prepare you to be fortunate and to be bold. Oh, I love that. So the first step 
is to have that attitude that love is for you. So you could, and I always try to help people work on their mindset and, you know, their beliefs because that changes your actions. And so if people can do that first, then they're going to be, have more courage to move forward. Is that your first step of the 10? Actually, it's the exact reverse of that because oh, imagine that you're clinically depressed and you go see a PhD psychologist, which I am, but I'm not that kind of psychologist. I'm a researcher. I'm not a clinician. I'm also a coach, by the way, but I tell everybody I'm not a therapist. I'm a coach. They're very right. different things. So let's say that you went to a professional and you said, I'm depressed. And they said, don't be. And you said, oh, thanks. <laughs> right. Okay. That doesn't work. Here's what works though. Just like attitudes predict actions, actions predict attitudes. So I don't ask people to change their mindset. I ask people to do the action of getting back out there and their mindset will change as a result. Okay. But it does matter how you get back out there, which is why people hire me. I tell them exactly how to do it. It's why they read my book. I tell them exactly how to do it. I don't know if you know this, but I've also, since we met last, instituted a 15-minute free session policy. So anybody who wants can try it out. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, there were a lot of people who I think were like, oh, I don't know. So, you know, and, you know, a lot of those people wind up working with me and some of them don't, but I try to make sure every one of them leaves that session with something they can change right now today that will make their life a lot better in their relationship, whether they have a relationship now, whether they're looking for one. But the, the very first thing is start preparing yourself for success in dating, which means taking action. It doesn't mean changing your mindset. It means taking action. And the first action I want people to take is to write down everything that they want in a partner, everything. Okay, step number one, write down everything you want in a partner. Write it all down. And okay. I, there are a number of ways to approach this, and I encourage my clients to approach it in all of the following ways, because you want as much information on here. Can I get my list? I'm going to get yeah. my on my desk. Okay. Of course you can. Okay, I, I'm digging up my list. Here we go. Dwayne is 10 must-have. <laughs> okay, I wrote this. Well, I, I worked on it. Every time I would think of something else, I would add to it, but which I advise people to do. But I want you to do it on your computer. Don't do it on your phone. Don't You don't have room enough, and it's too hard to cut and paste and move stuff around. Don't do it on a piece of paper unless you're going to transfer that to a computer because I want you to be able to write everything, no matter how embarrassing it might be and no matter how detailed it might be. I want you to be able to do it in a way that you can move stuff around because this exercise involves moving stuff around. And I want you to be able to revise, edit over the years, and if you need to over the years, you probably won't, but if you need to. And I also want you to be able to kind of print, print this out and use it for your conversations to see if someone's the one before you even meet. So getting into this, the first exercise is write down absolutely everything that you want or need. Don't even bother to parse it out, whether it's a want or a need yet. Just write it all down. Write it down. Even if you think you can't have it, write it down. Even if you've never seen it in your life, even if no one you know has this, write it down anyway. This is not the time to edit. Okay. And now I have to ask, you said to do it on a computer? Yeah, because you okay. can edit and revise and move gotcha. stuff around. And, and I'm going to ask you to make so many changes to this. If you do this on paper or on a phone, you're going to hate yourself. Just okay. saying, you, you will say, oh my gosh, I see why she said do it on a yes, computer. Also, on a computer. Yeah, you can password protect it there. And, you know, 
let's have sensitive things on them. Not everybody's comfortable having it where their kids can walk up and see it. Right, right. Okay, so that's the number one thing. Now, sec- and, and like I said, there are a number of ways to do this. One is think of everything you didn't get, but you needed or wanted. Put that on there. Okay. No. If you're watching this, good odds that you're divorced, which means yeah. that at some level your needs weren't met. Even if the other person left you, one of your needs is to have somebody who won't leave you. Right. I mean, that's basic, right? Mm-hmm. Someone who wants to be with you, someone who's enthusiastic about who you are, not who you might turn into or might, you know, right. that kind of thing. So, so put everything in there. Number two, go back through the list and then put it all in positive language, what you do want. As you know, I've been divorced a couple of times and both times it was because of alcoholism. Okay. The irony, Lisa, is I don't drink. Like I don't drink yeah. at all. I never have. I didn't drink when I was a teenager. I didn't drink in my twenties. I'll take a sip of what somebody's having. Then I'm done. I just, uh-huh. it just doesn't appeal. So, and nobody in my family drank. So I don't even know what healthy drinking looks like. Apparently it really, and truly nobody I knew really drank. Yeah. So I realized this time around, I needed to say, instead of saying not an alcoholic, which is a negative way to say, don't think about the bear. You're thinking about a bear right now. Right. So if you, I say, don't think about an alcoholic or not an alcoholic, your brain searches for the noun that you give it. It doesn't process the word not or don't in that equation. Mm -hmm. If you say, look for an elephant, bears don't enter into it. Right. So I wound up doing what psychologists call operationalize the variable, which means define it. Say exactly what's okay with you. And I said, it's sober and responsible as lifestyle drinks up to five drinks a year. Wow. You were very specific. And I wanted someone who was sober because they wanted to be. Okay. Not because somebody else told them they had to be. Not because right. it had caused them a problem. I wanted somebody who matched me. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but I have Tell some me. of the same problems that everybody who approaches me has. And one of them is when people make their lists, they think, oh, I'm never going to find that person. And I specifically thought I wasn't going to find the person who didn't drink just because he doesn't drink. But guess what? Right. I'm marrying a person who doesn't drink just because he doesn't drink. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. So make your standards, then divide them, write them in positive language of what you want, define what you want, be very specific. What would okay. kindness look like to you? What respect look like to you? What does it look like to you for somebody to be accepting of who you are? What does it look like to you for somebody to be a good potential step parent to your children if they're still young enough that that matters? Or, you know, Carrie and I have grown children. What does it look like? Write it down, be specific. Mm-hmm. Then parse it out into what you have to have. That's must-haves versus what you want to have. This is actually the hardest part for most people. Most people think that anything that's important to them is must-have and everything else is want. That's not the way to look at this. And I'll tell you why. When you meet someone that you really like, if you've done your list that way, if you've just been kind of, well, I really want it, so it goes on must-haves, you're going to compromise. You are going to. Which means... You might compromise on something that really is a must-have, which means you're going to get divorced again. That's what that means. Don't make a deal where the deal is broken from the day you meet. Don't make that deal. Right. This is how not to do that. What you have to do 
is a must-have standard has to meet the following high bar. If you met a perfect person, I mean everything that you want, absolutely all of it, but they lacked this one thing, would the deal be broken? And if it would, that's a must-have. Everything else is a want, even if it's a super, super, super strong want. If I met somebody who drank every time he went out on the weekend for whatever, and I thought, well, I mean, it's just one drink a week, and it's more than five, but for me, I'm going to be waiting for the other shoe to fall. It's not so much that the other person has a problem. It's that I do. Right. I'm always going to be waiting for the other shoe to drop on this issue because it has twice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's not for me. That's a must-have for me. I'm not saying it's a must-have for you. Your must-haves are highly individual. And that's where being specific is so important because you said five times a year. Five Um, times or less. That was my standard. Yep. Yep. And so for some people, it might be one day a week or it might be, you know, you just whatever. There's a lot of people who are like, you know, if they have the equivalent of one alcoholic beverage, you know, which most a lot of people don't know what that is, but it's one ounce of hard liquor. Probably smaller than what we One beer. (laughs) Yeah. Or, you know, I forget like four ounces of wine, something like that. That's, that's a drink. They'll say, okay, up to four drinks a week, but no more than two at a time during that week. Okay. Yeah. That's extremely reasonable. Mm -hmm. If I hadn't had the experiences that I'd had, I would think that was a, a wonderful standard. That's somebody who is drinking responsibly. Yep. Mm-hmm. So that's number three, must-haves and wants. And wants, yeah. Okay. And then number four is go back through your list, put a check mark next to everything that describes you. So if you want somebody five foot ten and you're five foot ten, awesome. But if you want five uh, somebody who's six foot four and you're five foot two, you need to examine that for a couple reasons. Do you know the percentage of men in North America who are six foot four? No. <laughs> Just take a while, you guys. Okay. One. You are correct. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. You are correct. It's 1%. So that's how many people with schizophrenia there are in North America. That's how many people with type 1 diabetes there are in North America. Mm -hmm. Type 1 being the kind you usually get in childhood and are insulin dependent for. It's it's a rare thing. And yet the vast majority of women, 80% of women, think that they have to have a man who is six foot tall or taller. And I'm here to tell you that if that's your standard, you're competing for a very, very narrow, narrow slice yeah. of humanity, very narrow slice of humanity. And you are overlooking, literally overlooking men who are perfectly amazing human beings. Nobody divorces over how tall the partner is. Nobody no. does. No. So now I just, I'm trying to make sure I have these steps correct. So after you have the must-haves and the needs, you go through that list. Yep. Put a check mark next to everything that describes you. And if it describes you, fair, fair standard. Okay. Doesn't mean you're going to get all of it. The thing is you have to have every single must-have. And this is why I really turn the screws on the must-have standard of if they were otherwise perfect and they didn't have this one thing, would the deal be broken? Because if you're my client, and you start seeing someone who lacks one of these must-haves, I'm going to really push for you never to see them again. You did the work of saying it was must-have. Right. If you change your mind after you meet somebody, that's putting yourself in a position to get another divorce. Mm-hmm. So that's why the must-have. Well, is and I, I can... You have to you stick to your own standard. 
is what I'm saying. Stick to your own standard. Mm -hmm. And set it up so that you can. And if you're saying, I want someone who's super fit and you never work out and you're not fit, does that really make sense? That makes you think through that a little bit more. Right. Right. The good news is most people actually look for their match. And the even better news is lots and lots of research for about the past 40 to 50 years shows that the matching phenomenon is a real thing. People who match in physical attractiveness and a lot of other things, their values, for example, mm -hmm. some of the things that they like to do in their spare time, people who are a close match in all the important ways and a little bit of the superficial ways, they are much happier than people who aren't a good match. So right. basically your list helps you find your match because most people ask for someone who's almost just like themselves. And that's a fair standard. All right. I've got the four. What's number yeah. five? So number five is let's put this into use. Do the research on who you're going to approach with this. My book, I, I know we don't have time to go into all this, but my book goes into how do you figure out who to share this with in real life? How do you figure out who to share this with online and where do you go online? Also, which photos do you use? Because it, whether you're going to be your own matchmaker, which is creating your profile, you're not going to share this list. You're going to share your profile. The list is the basis for the profile. Right. You're going to share photos and your profile with carefully selected friends, colleagues, family, who are then okay. going to act as your matchmakers. And you're going to share it someplace on the interwebs, whether that's an app, a site. And my book goes into how to make those choices of where you go. Okay. That, I mean, I feel like we could do an episode totally on that too. Yeah. And we could do another episode on how do you take good pictures? Because I will tell you, people have no idea how to do this. They just oh, don't. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I think maybe we should maybe get to the nuts and bolts of that, of kind of working with a dating app and, a, and another one. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Have a profile based on your ad. Your profile needs to fit the following standards. It's about them, not about you. Everybody writes about themselves. You know, okay, but everyone does it. It's not a differentiator. Right. And there's a reason that people go on BuzzFeed and Board Panda and do quizzes about themselves, not about other people. People are interested in themselves. People take quizzes about themselves. So gaining self-knowledge, it's exciting to most people. And your ad should give them a chance to do that. Tell it's me how you do that. That's very interesting to me. Okay, so here are my, I'm going to give an example. Here are my 10 okay. mind caps. Secure, sober, sensual, smart, kind, respectful, responsible, generous, loyal, feminist, and wants the same type of relationship that I do. And then I have like a full-on paragraph written about each thing. And every sentence in those paragraphs has to be there or we're done. Okay. Every single one. And where I got that from, that was just a further action that I did. Obviously, I can't. I'm doing the wrong thing. There we go. <laughs> no, yeah. <laughs> so... I started with, you know, doing my list. I've got must-haves and they go for like single space, a page and a half. And then I've got wants and they go on for a page and a half, almost two pages. And what I did is I then spent considerable time and I actually do this for my clients. I write their ad right in front of them. Okay. But how do you make it about the other person? Well, here's my ad. Yeah. So you consider what format you might like. I wrote an ad for, I was a casting agent and I was writing an ad for the male lead in a fun rom-com that was going to be produced. And I've written ads like that. I've written ads that are kind of, you know, like a radio announcement. 
or a podcast announcement. I've written ads that were reworked words to a song that everybody knows, but everyone has to know the song. Like it can't be right. a song that, you know, only 10 people in America know. It needs to be something that people in that age bracket, they all know it and it's catchy. So it sticks in your mind. But anyway, yeah, that's what I did. And so I'll just give you an example. You're going to go through your must-haves and your wants, and you're going to pick out some key things. And you're going to say, this is what my person is like. This is who he is. And if that's you, I want to hear from you. Okay. Oh, this is, okay, who my person is. Yeah, this is who they are. Oh, I love that. This is who they are. And if this is you, I want to hear from you. And recently I've started adding a little kicker to it, which is, and I didn't think of this till I actually posted my own ad. Posting my own ad was very instructive because it was mine. I spent, you know, months thinking about it. Right. I just thought, you know what? I am going to be on each, I noticed working with clients that different dating apps and sites, they push you really hard. They show your picture and your profile to lots of people for about two to three weeks. And then no, but then they've taken your money for half a year. So find a way to sign up for one month and one month only. It's more expensive actually, like match charges, I think almost $50 for one month, but they only charge like 37 for three months. Hmm. Sign up for one month. Match knows then their algorithm knows it better keep pushing you or you're not going to re-up. Okay. So I have so many questions for you. Like, is there a better, a better app for certain ages? Yes. I mean, literally, this is why I have a whole book about it. Not like a pamphlet. There's a lot to know. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to know. So I said, wanted co-star for fun rom-com starring brackets, your name here. Okay. Opening scene, Anne Hathaway or another dark-eyed brunette with short hair, a winning smile, a discernible waist, fair skin, and a slender yet surprisingly strong build, ponders having introduced many happy couples and wanting the same for herself. Wondering where her own match is, she decides to place an online ad for the role of eventual boyfriend. He, the rest of this ad is him. It's not me. And obviously I'm not Anne Hathaway. That's a total pipe dream. But it's funny. Be funny. If you want somebody funny, be funny. Right. You know, I mean, I had pictures there. They know I'm not Anne Hathaway. Well, and this just shows, I mean, if you need to do this on your own, you're giving people, but if you want to get really creative, you could contact someone like you. Or contact me specifically. I did this. I've been doing this for 20 years. Right. Right. And yeah. Do you call yourself a matchmaker? I don't know. No, my clients have much better results with me than they do with matchmakers. Okay. Every client that I've had who's used a matchmaker has unanimously said they found their person with me and never the matchmaker. Okay. And there are a couple reasons for that as well. But it's the same reason why you don't hand a person a fish, you teach them to fish. Right. People know who they want. They know what works for them. I'm going to give you a pool of promising candidates. And how I'm going to give that to you is I'm going to write you an ad that gets rid of people who aren't that person because it's right. so specific and it calls the people who are your person. The man who is this person is so excited. He's going to interrupt right. whatever he is doing when he sees this ad and he's going to run to his computer, not walk. <laughs> and he's going to answer this, which is exactly what happened. Carrie and that's walking. what happened to you. Yeah. Carrie was walking in a park, Match sent my picture. He looked at it. He went over to the, my profile. He read it. It was him. He, he said, he, you know, normally if he would see a profile that was kind of, I, I guess that could work, you know, maybe he would like wait a day and he'd think about it. And, you know, he said he ran home. He had been on a walk. He was not running. He ran home. <laughs> he got on his computer and he instantly typed out a really great response, by the way. 
which answered in the same spirit. It's a wonderful letter. Hey, I just wanted to pop in here quick before the saddle up segment and this whole thing winds down. And I want to tell you about my parenting plan online course. It is for you if you are terrified that divorce is going to ruin your children. I'm here to assure you that you can co-parent really well together. And I have an online course that is going to walk you through a parenting plan. You will have a piece of your divorce done. If you want to work with a mediator, you can bring the paperwork in and that portion is complete. It's easy, affordable, quick, and effective. And it will be part of your divorce paperwork if you'd like it to, or you can just use it to co-parent well with another parent. It goes over all the things that you may not be thinking of when you're in the midst of an emotional time like divorce. So please go to lisakoski.com, check on my online courses, and sign up for the Parenting Plan course now because when parents work together, they can mitigate the damages caused by divorce to their children. So as we get to the end of my episodes, I always do the saddle up segment. The If you could give us a piece, give the listeners a piece of advice, something they can do right now, you know, to move forward in a positive direction, what would that be? If you can find and be someone kind and respectful. Your love life will probably go well. And if you can't, it won't. 60 years of data behind that statement. Yeah. Wow. And that would be something we could delve into another time as well. That's the science of it is so, so I'm just a geek about it. I just love like learning all the things that you're teaching. So how do people get a hold of you if they want you to set up their profile to, you know, how, how do they reach you and find you know, your book? Honestly, they can just Google Dwayne Welch, D-U-A-N-A-W-E-L-C-H. My last name's like the grape juice. Okay. They can do that. Or they can go to lovesciencemedia.com and there's like a million articles and podcast yeah. episodes. And also that there's a contact there's form there and you can contact me and my phone number's there. I mean, it's, it's pretty hard to miss me actually. If you go to lovesciencemedia.com or lovefactually.co or just type in my name. And we will have that in the show notes. So people go find her. She's got a wealth of information. I'm going to have to have you back again because I just love having you. So thank you so much for taking the time and a long time. You spent a long time with us today. So I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much. We'll thank you. Soon. It's delightful. It's my pleasure. And I hope I hear from a bunch of you out there because I would love to see you happy. When you're happy, the whole world gets to be a better place and science backs that up. Thank you for listening to the Doing Divorce Different podcast. Connect with us at lisakoski.com and sign up for our newsletter. 